the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. Gone. Oh! They did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double order. Hit that one from the parking lot. Shock it all in college basketball. It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. Welcome back, folks, to another episode of the Big Bets on Campus podcast. Matt Cox, your host, one of the three members of the three-man weave, Kai McKee and Jim Root. You'll hear their soothing voices shortly. You guys know the drill. Every Wednesday, we're coming at you, dropping a hot episode, breaking down the remaining week, weekend of games upcoming with our six-pack of sections. Going to try to focus more so on the Wednesday, Thursday night slate. Uh, you guys, thank you for properly providing some feedback that, hey, we talk about the Friday, Saturday slate stuck and the boys do it well. So focus on Wednesday, Thursday. We will try to do so as we did last week. Um, but hey, without further ado, let's get into it, fellas, shall we? Any opening thoughts? Anything on your mind, Kai? Concerns? This is kind of an open forum for you to share whatever's you know, feelings. This is a nest. Safe space. Nest. Well, Matt, I appreciate that. But no, man, let's get into the live dog section. Yeah. It's everyone's favorite section. Doggies, puppies. Chance to win some big time. Mark, Mark. Uh, where's my dog? Uh-huh. Where's my dog? So our um, picks last week, our money line specials did okay. I got to toot my own horn there, or my own horn, real quickly, because Ball State did pull out the victory over Toledo. Um, but I will talk out the other side of my mouth because if you read my best bet endorsements on the Action website, you saw that I bet Toledo, and I did. So um, <laughs> I had an epiphany Thursday night that I was tired of betting on Ball State and tired of fading Toledo. So I thought I'd go for the old flip flop, and that backfired badly. Your Mizzou Tigers let us down, lost by one. Uh, we had Evansville postponed due to weather. UTSA, Milwaukee, LIU, turns out they're all just bad teams. Shame on us for endorsing those as Moneyline live pups. Let's see if we can get back on track here this week. We have four on Wednesday and six games on Thursday picked out. Um, let's start with Wednesday here. Here's the well, We don't, we don't need to go through all of these. Yeah, yeah I was, was going to quickly the, just read are, off the list. options for our, Yeah, here are the options. Friends. Matt and Kai. Here are the options. Um, here's a, Yeah, so we're basically providing a filter for you guys. So we're going to hear the four best we think are Wednesday and then the six or five or six best on Thursday. Uh, we have Southern Illinois at Northern Iowa, Georgetown at DePaul, Quinnipiac at Fairfield, and George Washington at UMass. Kai, of those four, any sticking for you? You know, I, I'm not focused too much on the Wednesday slate, guys. I, I have two on Thursday I'm looking at. I like the options. SIU certainly is a team that catches my eye because the Valley is kind of a, a toss-up in a lot of these games. A lot of these teams are pretty similar in, in talent. And, and home court, while it's been strong this year, probably shouldn't be. There, there's not much travel in the Midwest. So I kind of like the Salukis here, Jim. And then, of course, it would be so DePaul to drop a game to Georgetown. Yeah, and give the I love... the first one of the year. Sorry, yeah. I never said I love Georgetown anything, but Jim, I think I love Georgetown here. I think there's going to be value on them. That's for sure. Uh, Javon Freeman Liberty still struggling to get back from the groin injury. I kind of doubt they force him back for a winless Georgetown <laughs> team at home. Uh, Ken Palm has a 10. I mean, geez, that, that's going to be decent value. I, I think it's 
you know, a, likely a track meet. So you're going to have a lot of back and forth, some high variance in it. That one's good. And to Kai's point in Southern Illinois, just to circle back on that, Northern Iowa is coming off an OT win over Drake and their look ahead spot is Loyola Chicago. Like that's the ultimate sandwich, two best teams featuring an overtime game. I think that's a, a pretty good look too, to be quite honest. Honestly, the, the one I like least here is, is Fairfield, a typical punching bag for us in this section. Uh, I actually think they do get the win over Quinnipiac. So not going to endorse that one. Yeah, it'd be crazy to see Fairfield laying uh, seven points, which what Kempom has it given that they are, of what, a few games below Quinnipiac in the standings. And I just personally think Quinnipiac is as good as Fairfield. Um, but So you're going to bet it? You're going to take the plus seven? I will take the seven. Um, when Vegas offers me points, I usually like to take it, Jim. So I'm not going to say full-on live dog here. In general, we've said this before, the road MAC teams are, are pretty good bets generally. So if you like a road team in the NAAC, pretty good pretty good wager, both live uh, both as a money line and as and just against the spread pick. I love George Washington. That's I was, a great I was waiting to see if you were going to endorse that one or not. Yep. Um, don't look now, but my Colonials have covered five straight. It seems like Jamie and Christian has finally found something with his rotation, playing a little bit smaller. Just got Ricky Lindo back recently, the former top 100 recruit from Maryland. He's a defensive stalwart. Even though he really doesn't do much for the offense. I just like that team. And they're playing freaking UMass, who is... Gotta roll out a red carpet to the rim and just say, "Hey, come come right on through here, guys." Layups, yeah, will be in abundance. Um, so one for me within the Wednesday pack. Let's go to Thursday. We got six here lined up. Washington State hosting Arizona. Interesting Pac-12 showdown. Do the do the Wildcats sleep as they head up to the Pac Northwest? Uh, Morehead up Belmont. I think the answer is no. I'm with you, Kai. Uh, Morehead up. Hey, we're just giving the options. Giving the options. We're a hey. filter again. We're a filter first. Moorhead goes to Belmont, a little possible revenge for the Bruins. Mercer travels to VMI. USC Upstate travels to Longwood, who is maybe the best team in college basketball right now, question mark. <laughs> um, Mount St. Mary's goes to Wagner, to face a Elijah Ford-less Seahawks team. A little bit scary, uh, especially for those of us who own Wagner Conference title futures. And that's it, kids. Jim, of the bunch, pick. Pick multiple. Pick all of them. Pick none. Yeah, well, so I went with three on Wednesday. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it simple here. I'm only going with one from this group, and it is Upstate. USC Upstate. I know you said Longwood might be the best team in college basketball, but they almost lost at Charleston Southern, who is the dregs of that league. Upstate's been on a tear, just like Longwood, so I, I don't think they're going to be out-current formed, if you will. Yeah. And Longwood has some injury issues. They were missing uh, Hill and the big man whose name I shall not even try to pronounce, Leslie. This is first. Yeah. Leslie N. Leslie um, N. N.W. Yep. I think that without those two, they're very mortal, as they showed against Charleston Southern. There's a chance they're both back. So, you know, it's not like an automatic hit the hammer here, but I don't think Longwood's going undefeated in the Big South. And Upstate is a feisty team. They've got a better point guard if Hill is has his injury issues. So I'm going to, I'm going to say upstate would be my pick of that group. Yeah. Hill's huge there. And if he's out kind of maybe you have to lean to the under as well, because this guy could win big South player of the year. He's that good for them. But Matt, I'm going with Mercer uh, of the group here. Uh, they, they should have beaten Chattanooga. It was a crazy, crazy finish that game. They, they led the entire way, ended up losing in dramatic fashion and overtime. Plus six on the road against VMI. They're getting healthier. Alvarez, their point guard, still not 100%, but he, at least he's back in the lineup getting some reps like Mercer there. And also, you mentioned the NEC future we have in Wagner. It's probably a good time to sprinkle the money line on Mount St. Mary's. 
a team that mm-hmm. is no slouch by any means in this conference, one that should have beaten Brian for sure, <clears throat> excuse me, and one that could beat Wagner, especially as an 11-point dog. Sheesh, the value is yep. screaming there. We tried to get this hedge in last week, Matt, with the LIU against right. Wagner, yep. and it didn't work out at all. Uh, Wagner actually has some depth. Uh, they're, they're one of the deepest teams in the entire NEC. The roster composition kind of shifts with Price Noel likely taking over that four spot or they go smaller. I know a lot of the really smart NEC guys we were following were discussing that as well. So I, I don't think they like fall off a cliff without Ford, but he is he is vital and, and maybe first game without him, they're trying to figure things out and taking on a Mount team that I think is up 100 spots in Haslametrics over the past like month or so. They're searching. Yep. They've won, I believe, what, four of their last, I'm sorry, six to the last seven and nearly just be Brian. And I think Brian at this point in the season, um, as much as it pains me to say is actually better than Wagner. I just think the way they're playing is insane. Yep. Uh, and that's again, assuming all team or given both teams are fully healthy, I would take Bryant on a neutral. Now in this case, you're actually getting another notch in your, in your belt with Elijah Ford being out. If you're looking at Mount, which I am, this is my favorite of the bunch here. Uh, plus 11 equates to what roughly, Plus six hundred, or sorry, plus five hundred, plus four fifty on the money line, depending on how kind the odds makers are with those Can't be that low, right? straddles. Um, is that low? Let me see. I'm doing a little quick conversion I here. Mean, we don't have to good. Yeah, it, no, it should be like plus four fifty, plus five hundred. Sounds about right. All right, so four to one, price. five to one. I think it's a pretty good price. Yeah, I think of the of these options, I think that's the best price. I think Mercer's a decent play as well. Smacked VMI at home the first time. I think both teams hit like a combined thirty four threes. So. General, you know, going to play like a high variance game. And those are typically the ones you want to circle for these money line dogs. Um, all right. We're going to skip Friday, Saturday. We'll leave that for Stucky and Co. and our, our overlords, the A team, while the B team scraps up the, the Wednesday, Thursday slate. Quick recap, Jim, your official plays. So we're not going to sound wishy washy. People need to hold us accountable as they track our records. What are you taking? Um, Wednesday, I've got Southern Illinois, Georgetown, and George Washington. I'm holding hands with my George fellas. And then Thursday, I've got USC Upstate. That would be my four-pack this week. Kai, you have two? Yes, an alliterative two on Thursday. Mercer and Mount St. Mary's. I'm going G-Dub, George Washington, Mount St. Mary's, and I ended up scrapping Mercer because I'm soft and I'm trying to be selective. You are a little below. Downy, soft indeed. Uh, Let's go to teams that are also soft and at the potential mercy of being blown out as we hit blowout city. Uh, Last week, again, another tough week for this section. I'll echo it one more time. I just think it's hard to beat crap teams by a lot in conference play. Uh, We called out Colgate playing Bucknell. Um, They won by 14, which actually was not enough to cover the spread. I think we thought that was going to be a bloodbath. It was not some Familiar faces appear in our pool of options to pick from in this group here. IUPUI. Um, this might need to be renamed after them. Just It's just their own section now because Eastern Illinois, while they didn't cover the last game, has covered three of the last four. So they've ri- risen out of the, the muck. Um, and this important note from the IPUI official school Twitter, they are seeking open tryouts because they basically have, what, six players right now, the Jaguars? given their injuries and just utter incompetence. People enter a couple of guys entered the portal. Like this team is it's a disaster. a division one basketball team right now. Like there, there's a real chance that somebody sitting next to you in chemistry class is going to be playing for the Jaguars <laughs> in their next couple of games. So I think they're going to need to be a permanent fixture here. 
I think they could finish winless uh, against D1 competition. In the again. horizon. It's not even yeah. like it's a decent league. It's kind of a bad they're, league. They're yeah. 0-19 right now against D1. They've scored over 60 points one time against D1 competition. They've played only three games over 65 possessions, uh, which frankly doesn't matter. They can still lose by 20 to uh, Purdue-Fort Wayne, and I think they will. Yeah, I like the Dons. I'm a big fan of this Purdue Fort Wayne team. They got what four guards that can make shots. A um, little bit soft up front, but it's IUPUI. They're going to have yeah. IUPUI hasn't scored sixty against. I think they maybe one Division one game. UIC. Yep. And Palm has and it. UIC was tw- mega shorthanded that game. Yeah, they only had like six and a half guys too. They've been shorthanded the last two years. It feels like I. I just can't believe. I mean, minus twenty is what Ken Palm has it as. We'll see what the odds makers how close they mimic that. Um, while for a conference game. Other one here, Jim, you pointed out Chattanooga hosting Western Carolina. Western Carolina is the most erratic team in the country. I can't figure them out when they're hot from three. They can beat anyone. Um, and they did beat Chattanooga in their first meeting. Got to think Chattanooga remembers that and will not take kindly to that. And Western Carolina can also lose by 40. And this is probably the spot they do it. I like Nuga. I think that Jim, the fact that they underscore me. Lost me in that Vontarius Woolbright might be out for Western yeah. Carolina. They just lost him. He's out yeah. by like 15 and it was more like 25 to UNC Greensboro. And that was at Western Carolina and Greensboro is a bad favorite. Nuga's got lethal guards and a much better offense. And it, again, this is a motivated favorite that is like, wow, this team embarrassed us. We need to yeah. show them up. So I like that angle. Yeah. Had a little scare against Mercer too in overtime. So, you know, you're off that game. And that's the worry, I guess that, Overtime, maybe warm down, but yeah, I, that first game against Western Carolina. So, Woolbright is very important for the Catamounts, um, one of their best scorers. And then David John Baptiste was not playing that game for Chattanooga. He's fantastic. And Nuga was four for 25 from three that game. There's a lot to like about them bouncing back here. Now, Western Carolina has been scrappy still. Even without Woolbright, they've covered a few games. And 19, Matt, that's a lot of points in conference, that's big. like you said. Yep. It's big. Everything sets up for a blowout here. I just think it's too high. So I won't be officially endorsing Western Carolina. I think Purdue, Fort Wayne, as much as I, again, hate backing large favorites in conference play, uh, IEPUI just back to Stucky's phenomenal idiom, trying to catch a falling knife. This is basically like a, a shower of daggers falling on you and you're trying to somehow shield yourself from them. So yeah, continue to ride that um, or fade that dumpster fire. All right, next section. Let's talk some big time matchups, the power games, plural of the week, Wednesday, Thursday, we got a two for, for each Wednesday, Texas tech heads to Oklahoma and Houston, the invincible yet wounded AAC juggernaut heads to SMU, a dicey spot there for the Cougars. Let's pause there. Um, I'm fascinated by this Houston SMU line, Jim. We love the ponies. They're playing better. But Houston, no matter how many times we say, God, can Houston really be laying X number of points with X, Y, and Z out of the lineup against Y team? They, they still cover it. So I, I'm torn on this game. Kempom has it minus eight. What are you looking at? Yeah, I, so we this is one of the rare instances where we're recording this on Tuesday, and there actually are some Wednesday lines out. So we can actually kind of take a, a quick peek forward. Uh, this one is six at actual book, six, six and a half. Okay. So that feels a little more proper A little to more me. Yeah. reasonable I was going to ask you guys, and Kai, I'll, I'll kick it to you. Do you think this should have been in Live Dog of the Week? Like, is this where SMU makes their stand for an NCAA tournament bid? Is this finally the time Houston loses an American game? Are they really going to go undefeated in the league? The Ponies at home, like, this is the toughest league game that yeah. SMU or that Houston will play, unless you think Memphis is really getting its shit together, which is debatable. 
Uh, so I don't know, man. I, I kind of like SMU here. Yeah, I mean, I kind of do, but then they went and lost by 15 to Wichita State. Like SMU is very much outside looking in right now. They don't have many good wins, if at all. So yeah, this this would have been a home run for them, home run spot. But why fade Houston? They're I think they're four and one against the spread last five. Like there's no sign of this team slowing down despite the injuries. They have the number one offense in the conference despite Sasser not playing the entire slate. It's it's crazy. They're an awesome team. I don't want to step in front of it. I don't know. I'm torn. All right, let's go to Thursday. I I, I want to ride the what, what about Texas Tech, Oklahoma? Texas, Texas, oh, yeah, we have to Texas Tech, Oklahoma. It's, it's right, a I'm similar sorry. situation where it is. It is. The, the bubble team needs the big home win against a team that is absolutely crushing it. I believe Texas Tech is 10 and 1 against the spread in Big 12 play. Like, it's insane. In yeah, Oklahoma, it, I think, has been overpriced, Kai, in the market in general so far. I don't uh, have the, let's pull up the ATS numbers actually in conference play. I don't believe they've fared so well. Yeah, I you maybe call that. I mean, we're probably lower in Oklahoma. Well, you you might be higher in Oklahoma. I'm I'm lower in Oklahoma. In conference play, Oklahoma's four and six against the spread. They still are in the tournament picture, believe it or not, despite being three and seven in the Big Twelve. But they can't drop many more, and this is a big game for them. It's a big opponent. I think they're gonna be up for it. Four points is short. Having said that, Texas Tech really is legit. Yeah, Kyo and three in their last three against the spread. The games they did cover was the Kansas game. Of course, we had Kansas and they barely uh, or they, they did be West Virginia at home, which I don't know. That win doesn't really has the road, that I well, I guess uh, that was at. Yeah, that was in Morgantown. Correct. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but just uh, West Virginia's a good win. Broke right now. It's a good win, but I think West Virginia's a broken team. Love Porter yeah, Moser. I just don't think he has the horses. Same. I, I think Texas Tech continues their their strong yeah. play. The fact that they got past that West Virginia game off the ultimate emotional letdown after the Texas home crowd hyped and you have to go to Morgantown. They still won by seven. I think, I think Texas tech is just rolling right now and they continue to do so in Norman Thursday, big 10 pack 12. First off Michigan hosting Purdue uh, semi quick turnaround. These two teams just played uh, last week. Um, I'm sorry. They're playing tonight or they played last week. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So yep. a pretty quick turnaround here. Um, pretty won that game, but it was close. Michigan competed because they, they stuck around. They did cover. Uh, and the second one, Arizona at Washington State. We discussed this briefly above. Uh, I guess yeah, you guys poo pooed that as a uh, money line. Yeah. So I, does that mean you think Arizona crushes them? It sounds like Kai, that's the camp you're in, right? I mean, well, I don't think they, I don't think they crush them. I just don't think they lose. I, I don't think Arizona loses this game. I'm not totally convinced on Washington State. I think their analytics are higher than their true ability right now. Like you go down the line, they've their best win this year is Stanford on the road. Their second yeah. best win is Utah on the road. Those are their two best wins of the season. I don't think I've seen much from this team. Uh, yeah, here's my Washington State take. I, they're playing better lately. It's kind of like St. Mary's where they haven't really like beaten anyone that's special in like the last two weeks, but they've continually outpaced uh, odds makers and analytics score projections. So they keep kind of climbing and thus their value is a little inflated. I would like to be catching closer to like seven or eight, just given how much Arizona scares me. I watched that Arizona state game uh, last night and was like, Jesus. I mean, Arizona state was playing inspired basketball for thir- for 25 minutes and it just didn't matter once they, once Arizona turned it on late. Um, Jim, I do think Michigan beats Purdue at home though. I think that's just their Ooh. game. Quote unquote. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a weird spot for, for Purdue. Uh, they're going to be coming off playing Illinois at home, which will be a big get up spot. And they're still working on the potential big 10 title, but it's such a gauntlet, man. Like they're, they could have four losses and it might be a little bit out of that picture, but 
that whole, everybody in that race is going to come back to the crowd. No, no one in the big 10 is going to run away with it. So yeah, man, I, I, Michigan is a team that I think we're still waiting on seeing the surge and maybe it'll never come, but I'm with you. I, I think it does come eventually. I think Arizona blows out Washington state. That's my, uh, my, my stronger lean between these two six is way too short for that team. I think the wildcats are excellent and they were up 26 late against Arizona state before the yeah. backdoor 12 point yeah. win. Mm-hmm. That's more indicative of, of the quality of the team. So I, I yeah. like the wildcats. Yeah. Go well, back to you Michigan, ha- uh, the Michigan point. So yeah, they lost by six, but they were down 12 in the second. Um, I don't think they never led that game. Purdue kind of controlled it. Couldn't stop Purdue. 1.26 points for possession. It's the best offense in the country. But Dickinson, 28 points. Like, he played very well for Michigan. They scored hit, hit a couple easily. of trail threes. He was holding yeah. the follow through at, at Mackey Arena. Now, if he's, if he's shooting threes, I think I like my chances as my Purdue because I don't think that's sustainable <laughs> whatsoever. Um, but yeah, Big Ten's weird. Home court is very high, Matt. So I, Michigan could definitely get it done. Um, yeah, Washington state size could maybe pose a problem, not problem, but like could be a neutralizer to Arizona, but I just think they're so damn good. Their matchup, um, immune to those types of matchup potential deficiencies. Let's talk mid majors. Now section five here, we got a few on tap for Wednesday and Thursday. The big one, um, that we didn't probably have penciled as a big game coming into the year, but given how well Bradley is playing my Braves who have quietly snuck inside the top 100 in Kempom's analytical rankings, they're hosting Loyola. And it's the Braves have been so dominant, Kai, that Kempom has this as a minus two. A short road favorite are the blurs uh, when they head down to Peoria. Is that just feel way too low for you? Or are you buying into this Braves team and staying away? Bradley's 7-2 and two against the spread last nine games. They've, they've been playing fantastic. Uh, I think it's a bit short. I, I I think the Braves are good, but I think this Loyola team is very, very, very good. Even without Marquise Kennedy against Missouri State, they ended up winning that game. They were very impressive. Um, I, I cannot take Bradley here. Um, I think Loyola probably gets it done. Yeah, Loyola, I feel like they had their lull. It was early in conference play. They had some poor home performances. They dropped one to Missouri State, then they lost at Drake, and they seem to have woken up. Uh, Illinois State performance was solid, and then at Missouri State, despite like a really weird first half kind of dysfunctional, they end up winning by nine uh, down Kennedy. Like you mentioned, Kai. I think oil is going to start kind of the ascent towards the tournament at this point. All right. On to Thursday, um, long beach state at Hawaii staying out West here. I'm sorry. We started, started out West. We're heading back East um, Mount St. Mary's at Wagner USC upstate at Longwood. I love me some bows, baby. No one knows, or everyone knows that I am the big, big fan of Hawaii. Hosting Long Beach at home minus four. I like the bows a lot here. I think, I think, like I said, every team traveling to the island is going to be a disaster for them this season. So that's my favorite of this bunch on Thursday. We talked about Mount St. Mary's above and USC Upstate. Any farther thoughts here, gents? No, I love Hawaii here. Beach is playing Fullerton for first place on Tuesday, and then they have to go to the island 48 hours later. Good luck. I, I think the bows smack them. Yeah, Bows have five days of rest. Long Beach won this first game. Oh, excuse me, Hawaii won this first game on the road. Uh oh. Mm, Kalina missed that game though. And 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 I am not really well, I love the beach. I, I don't think they're gonna win at Hawaii. Well, we shall see. Um, all right. Hey, Saturday, some good ones, real quick. Chattanooga at Furman, Murray these State at Morehead. These were too good to ignore. We gotta hit them real quick, kids. Chattanooga Sorry. Furman is like you, you gotta yeah. discuss. 
I mean, well, these it sucks, are though, not at large teams, straight. but at large caliber. I know they have. It's weird. I don't like it. What's happened? ETSU and UNCG, they, they've lost to the, the acronym schools back to back. It's a can shame. I, can I hit you with a hot take? I have a theory too on Furman, and I don't want to say it, but go, Jim. Furman only has like three good players. Like, I'm sorry, but I watched yeah, that team. Conley Garrison, Garrett Heen, those guys are just bodies. Like, Garrison's smart. He hits some shots from the corner, but he's not making anything happen. It's Bothwell, it's Slauson, and then Hunter is a great floor general. And beyond that, it's just guys. And so I think yeah. that makes them a little vulnerable if one or two of those big three have an off night. We've seen it happen a couple times in a row now. That That is that is their vulnerability. They're super well coached, and the, those big three are good, but that's the concern. Now, they're two games back, and they need this one against Nuga at home to stay in the race. So I actually kind of lean towards Furman. Coming off those poor performances with this big home run spot against the league leader, I think Furman does get the win. Yeah, they're and Furman's still number one on both offense and defense in the SOCON. They they clearly have been dominant in this league, but they couldn't get it done, Matt, in the first game against Nuga without David John Baptiste in the lineup. Chattanooga still beat them. Uh, last to think about though, maybe it's a revenge factor here for Furman, the punch back at Nuga in the standings. Are you as shocked as I am that Furman's number one in the conference in defense and number one in both two-point percentage defense and block rate? Like their interior defense has been good, which just does not align with it, the eye test when I watch Furman, right? Like I think Nuga has a, amazing. He, he's, he is, and he's like a more of a, not a wing, but like a hybrid swing guy. doesn't have like, he's not like a vintage rim protector, but he is very athletic and he's very long. So props to Bob Ritchie, man. He just does absolute, the absolute most with what he has. Um, Murray State at Moorhead, real quick. I think Murray wins. I think they just outclass Moorhead. I know yep. it's a bad spot, but Murray's just amazing right now. As Jim has yep, written about for the Action Network. Check it out, Jim. Your final four. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. now that's the odds makers read it too, and, and now there's no value. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I wrote it. Uh, the piece came out on Tuesday, and Murray was 200 to one Monday night to make the final four at win bet. That's to make the final four, not win the title. Like that's, that's pretty good odds for a team that has maybe not a certainty of making the tournament, but they're really. Really likely. And it was down to 15 to one by Tuesday afternoon. DraftKings still 80 to one though. I think there might be some value there. Uh, just another reason to have all action content as a push notification alert to your, to your cellular devices. All right. Section six, the trash man pick of the week. The trash man pick of the week. I'm the trash man. Just throw me in the trash. You're garbage. And you know it. Totally unreliable. Is that it? Undependable. Is that it? That's it. You've been told off. How do you like that? Good. Oh, man, I hate this section. And I'm looking at the two teams we're about to discuss, and they both give me the heebie-jeebies, the potato. The set, well, they basically are two sacks of potatoes, Kai. Idaho State at Idaho. I think I like Idaho more, even though Idaho was my first, the, the, the team that I used to sort of lash out against. But Idaho State has flipped and consumed all of my anger recently. I just lost by 30 or something at home to Montana State after their what-the-hell went over. Um, Montana, yeah. Montana. Montana. Yep. So yeah. Ken Palm has Idaho minus seven here. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Uh, that's crazy. I'll be on Idaho State. And Idaho is it crazy? Th- yeah, I guess. Yes. Idaho's 13 7 against the spread. They've been, they've been good. Idaho State's 5 and 14 against the spread. They've been terrible. Idaho State won this first matchup by seven. They're up by 21. I, I, I still think they might be better than Idaho. Uh, and maybe that's just me being stubborn and sticking to preseason way too much. But Idaho has not been a favorite of this many points in five years. I don't think they should be a favorite by seven points over anyone. So I'll take the value with ISU. 
I think it's you being stubborn. I, Idaho brought in some decent transfer pieces and they've actually been Mikey confident. Dixon, my guy, maybe. Yeah. I, I just, the Idaho state trajectory, I thought maybe after the COVID pause went over Montana. Okay. We're starting to rediscover what we saw last year. And then they just, you know, crap down their legs against Montana yeah. state. So I, yeah. I, I just, they're, they're not, they're not good. They haven't figured anything out. Sadly, I, I've flushed the toilet on them. Um, Kai, to your point, Idaho state did get hot late last season. Ryan Looney is a coach. I think we like and continue to reiterate. They are 12th in minutes continuity and we're 260th last year in Ken Palm. I don't like they... him anymore. I think You're this year has been a horrendous coaching performance I, it's been bad i just can't i, I have a trouble wrapping my mind around the fact that they're a hundred spots worse with basically the same team um, i know ford that robert ford must mean a sh- he must mean like 10 points on the handicap line at this point um you, idaho just can't be a seven point favorite that, i agree that, that's a that's a fair simple too. that's a very simple you know think small win big as the sharps would say all right quick spotlight Tonight's breakdown is a bracketology-influenced discussion, which I will be mediating between you two who are uh, certified experts in this field. Desperate bubblers, talking about teams who have games lurking this week that are on the bubble, and we think you should be aware of them. Um, Anecdotally, just the motivational angle uh, seems to play well for these teams from an against-the-spread perspective. We don't have any data backing that up. It's tough to go back and backtest how teams on the bubble can do I wanted to ask you guys when I put this together, like, does this matter to you? Is this something you would ever factor into your handicap? And maybe this is something we should like start to build the data set now. Like we should be tagging every game manually. And like, so in three years, we can go back and actually see how these perform. But to me, it certainly does. And I, when odds makers are making numbers, when the analytic dudes are running their models, which is what the odds makers are basing the numbers on. I know they're not factoring this stuff in. The question is, right. Does it actually matter? Uh, I kind of think it does. Yeah. I think it, I think it would matter more. And I've kind of have these divided into two sections. Like it matters more when it's a big game needle mover can push you towards the field. But when it's a bubble team, for instance, there's, I've got five listed here, Notre Dame, they're minus yep. nine over Louisville, Miami, Florida, minus 10 over Georgia tech Davidson minus 11 over St. Joe's Florida minus 14 over Georgia and San Diego state laying double digits small on the road. Spread, San Jose right. state. I think those big, those games are almost the ones where you look to go against them because they're, yeah. They're not as locked in. They're kind of thinking about the bigger opportunities they have in other games. Davidson's been a great example of this. They have been not good covering spreads against bad teams in, in A-10 play, at least recently. But when they went to Bonaventure, Kai, the biggest yeah, game, in, yeah. at least for them, they crushed them or took yeah. care of business. I, and I, I, also, I, I think they're also tight, too, sometimes in these big games. Like, there's almost like some nerviness that arises. They, they don't in the, quite in the play bigger, with the, the bigger least, spread games. The bigger maybe? spread games, yes. So, I completely agree. Like, I'm very in on backing these bubble teams with short spreads. Um, I'm not, maybe not fade with against large spreads, but tread lightly on those spots. Kai, go ahead. Yeah, I'd almost, I'd probably lean a fade to, to the five teams Jim mentioned. Florida going to Georgia, for instance. Like, we just saw Georgia almost beat Auburn. Florida's not it, been. It's at Florida, sorry. Oh, it's at Florida. Well, yeah, still, Florida's hosting it. Georgia there. Um, it's a scrappy team, you know, even Georgia Tech, who just beat Clemson. I, there, there's landmines here. Yep. Um, and these teams are not safe. Uh, Florida's probably safer. Well, it, no, they're not, actually. Like, none of these teams are safe in the tournament. They're, their backs are against the wall, but they're also supposed to win. It's a very weird psychological thing. Whereas teams like Kansas State, a team that's looking on the, ins- or the outside in, plus five against Baylor, it's basically do or die for them. Um, and there is no expectation to win the game. So maybe that's a better bet. 
Yeah, Matt, I like the way you framed it, where you're like, they get tight when they're supposed to win. It, it's kind of a, in the big ones, they have nothing to lose, but everything to gain. But then when yeah. they're like expected to win, there's something to lose. Like if you take a bad loss and you're on the bubble, it is a real problem and people are going to remember that. So yeah. th- there's a little more tension. Like, oh, we're only at four late. Why are uh, we not blowing uh, this team out? Uh, right, yeah, right. like I, I think it gets it gets real nervous. And maybe that's, you know, potential money line type stuff too. But just generally as you handicap these these bubble teams, I think it's worth looking at. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot on Wednesday, Jim. Um, the list is, I mean, you pretty exhaustive here and all of these are qualified. I'll point out too, I like I Seton Hall hosting Xavier. I think now's a great time to buy low on Seton Hall and fading road Xavier. I guess are both teams technically bubbleicious? Xavier's no, much safer they're, than Seton Hall. They're both safe. They're both safe. Oh, even Seton Hall is too, even when the recent skid okay, I thought they were kind of they're down to like tenth in the bracket matrix or ten seed in bracket matrix. That's why I included them. I was surprised to see them that low. Okay. That's so yeah, like it's, it's getting the point where it's like, okay, should we actually need to win now? All right. Yeah, well, I like Seton Hall there. Bryce Aiken, Bryce Aiken, Aiken. is important. If he's not if he's out again, I don't like Seton Hall there personally. I this given the fact they played well last game, but you're right, they played like crap the what four games before without him. So he definitely means something. I'm probably being short sighted there. I, the other one I do like is St. Joe at Davidson, Jim. Just piggybacking off your point about Davidson, haven't been as good blowing out um, quote unquote bad teams. St. Joe isn't a bad team; they're just a poorly coached team, and he wasn't playing much defense. So maybe I'm sort of explaining a bad team, but I don't think they're that bad, and I think they can certainly cover 11 points uh, against a potentially tight. Davidson team that you mentioned, Jim, isn't great at knocking people on the mat. Yeah, I forget. So somebody, somebody in the A10 Twitter world, I apologize. I don't remember exactly who it was, but pointed out that their winning margin recently has been like win by two possessions, win by three possessions. Like they are not blowing teams out anymore. And there's a chance they're going to trip up and drop one. Like George Washington by five, Bonnie's by five, LaSalle by eight, Fordham by three, BC by two, Richmond by three. Like they're just winning close, close games. And right, right. I'd be nervous about them dropping one at some point. Uh, let's have this last one here, which is not really a big game, but I think it's an interesting, uh, it's brings me to a broader point. UAB hosting Southern Miss. Now they're going to probably kill Southern Miss. Southern Miss has been a dumpster fire and UAB is awesome at blowing teams out. Um, but yeah, I wonder if these like large, large spreads for teams like mid majors, are they trying to run up the score to boost the efficiency margin? Um, like we do know some teams do do that. Like that's a real thing that coaches have told us. It's one thing that if you go out and try to do it, it's another thing to actually execute it and deliver on that. Like I'm sure Bob McKillop is trying to do that himself. He's smart enough to know that the efficiency margin is in his going to play in his favor. They just haven't been able to put teams away emphatically. UAB though is an exception. Like I think if they want to kill you, they can kill you if they're locked in. Um, and Southern Miss, a team without a point guard, I think that could be a blowout there on Thursday. I do too. Yeah, UAB is ten deep and presses, and they press for all forty Relentlessly, minutes. Honestly, all forty minutes. Yep, no, like, no let up there. Andy Kennedy is a smart guy. He's he's aware of how the winning by 45 can help him. So I, I do think that's a good one. Yeah, it's always interesting. I'm interested to hear which coaches are like closely tracking the bubble thing. As some say, they don't even look at it. Some say they watch it, you know, like every well, hour. So b- bubble or not, like I, we, Kai, you uh, retweeted the, the Philo 68, Sean Miller interview with Ken Palm. He, he basically told yeah. Ken Palm, because of your ratings, I would keep my starters in two and a half minutes longer at the end of games because I didn't want to. <laughs> lose the lead and, and lose efficiency rating. So I yep. think coaches, a lot of them are aware of that and uh, it's starting to play up. Yeah, especially in a razor tight bubble scenario. All right, kids, that concludes today's episode. That's all we got. Come back next week. Please remember to rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts to us on Spotify. And we'll catch you next time on the Big Bets on Campus.